0: Well, good morning and welcome to the really exciting part of the service. I mean, I know christenings and singing and all that kind of stuff, but preaching, this is the exciting part. Uh, should I wait for all the parents to come back from Christ? Or things? I'm sure there's a few that I think they can avoid. They'll pick it up, will they? Okay, okay. So we're in the, 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 about the middle of a series. We were looking at different names of God. Because God's given different titles, different names in the Bible. We looked at the Lord Almighty. We looked a bit about the name Yahweh, God's name. And we're looking this morning at a, another title that God's given, which is the Lord's my shepherd. The Lord the shepherd, which is Yahweh Ra. Is, that's the name. But what I did was, I, I got a little bit geeky and a little bit preoccupied. I did a bit of digging into the the background to the name of Yahweh. Because we know that, you know, we often call God Jehovah. It's like the the English version of the word Yahweh, which is the the Hebrew version. But even that Hebrew word Yahweh, there's lots of scholars and theologians and intelligent people who say, we're not sure that's the right word anyway. Because the the, the word came from four letters, which were Y H. W-H because in Hebrew there's no vowels so you've got Y-H-W-H and they had to try and work out how do you pronounce that word? In the Bible it's written down in English as the word the Lord in capital letters but they had a big argument and then they thought well maybe it's not even Y-H-W-H maybe it's J-H-V-H because W's and V's are quite similar and J's and Y's like Hallelujah you know, is that a Y or a J it's a, it's a J uh, so they're quite similar and they had lots of arguments and they thought maybe it should be J-H-V-H and from that we got Jehovah via a long route via Germany and via the Latin and via everywhere else and a few mistakes but I was looking at all this thinking wow what, what is this name Jews often think that we should never say the name Yahweh it's too precious it's too sacred and I came across this Jewish rabbi and he was talking about the name of God. And he said this, and I found this really exciting. That's how sad I am. He said, he said, Yahweh, it's really, it's unpronounceable. In many ways, God doesn't have a name. But another way, he's the origin and he's the sustainer of life. He is the breath that we breathe And then this Jewish guy said, no, 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 he's quite literally the breath that we breathe. And and there's a a school of thought that thinks that when they were trying to work out God's name, and when God said to Abram his name, what he was doing was he was breathing. And it goes a bit like this, you know, when you breathe through your mouth, you do this, you go, And that's God. God is, yeah, God is our breath. God is the sustainer of life. And when I came across that, it made me tingle. I loved it. I, I went to bed at night and I've got a different kind of routine now at night. I go to bed and as I'm going to sleep, I don't breathe through my nose because it hasn't the same effect. It's rubbish that, isn't it? You know. But if you breathe through your mouth, when you're lying on your bed at night, you do this. Yeah, do you get it? Yeah. When babies are born and they start breathing, the first thing they do is they say God's name. Yeah. And when you're dying, you take your dying breath. I think that's fantastic. I love that Jewish rabbi, you know, who brought this to life to me, that God is a name, you know, it's beyond the name, but he's everything. He is our name, he's our breath, and we can't escape him. If you want to escape God this morning, you've got to stop breathing to escape God. And I wouldn't advise that as a sensible technique. But what I want to do, I know it's his church, but let's be a little bit weird this morning. It's a little bit I want you just to indulge yourself, maybe indulge me, and I want you just to shut your eyes and just breathe and listen to your breathing and listen to yourself just repeating God's name, just for like 10-15 seconds, so it's not really weird, you know, but just just shut your eyes and breathe and listen to yourself. You're doing here? You're all breathing very quietly. That is God. That is Yahweh. But this morning we're focusing on one particular part, and that's the name Yahweh Ra or Roah. There's different ways of saying it. In many, uh, and that means the Lord the shepherd, or it normally means the Lord the shepherd. And the shepherd we know is someone who who looks after the flocks, who tends them, who feeds them, who who leads them. And Jehovah-Ra, the Lord, the shepherd, is the the good shepherd, the shepherd who looks after his sheep. You know, in our reading this morning, we we, we start with Jesus, and he's talking to two groups. He's talking to the, the tax collectors and sinners and he's talking to the Pharisees. We get that at the start of Luke chapter 15. And Jesus starts this parable, this story, with this this line. There was this shepherd. And in that culture, there was this shepherd is the start of a joke. It's slightly now in 21st century language, a little bit politically incorrect, but it's a little bit like saying, there was this Irishman. You know, if somebody says, there was this Irishman, you know it's a joke. You know he's not telling a true story. Well, at that time in Hebrew culture, at that time in Israel, shepherds were ridiculed. They were jokes. They were outcasts. And when you start a sentence, was there was this shepherd, and he had a hundred sheep, and one went away and got lost, <laughs> and the shepherd left the ninety-nine and went chasing after the one. And the crowd are listening to it thinking, ah, oh, brilliant Jesus, stupid shepherd. Who would leave the 99 to chase after the one stupid Irishman? You know, you get the joke, yeah? That, that was the setup. But Jesus turns that completely on its head. He starts off with this joke. There was this shepherd. And he says, no. No, that's God. That is Jehovah-Ra, the God, the shepherd. He is interested. He cares for you. He cares for you as an individual. The 99, Jesus tells us at the end, were the self-righteous Pharisees who don't think they need Jesus. They don't think they need saving. They think, I'm all right. I don't need any help. Jesus says, that's who the 99 Ah, the one are those that maybe are not perfect, who have got issues. And we're told in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says this, cast all your anxieties, cast all your concerns, cast all your worries on Jesus because he cares for you. And that's the picture we get here in this first parable We get this picture of Jesus caring, of God, the good shepherd, caring, of being concerned about the one who might be in trouble, being concerned about the one who may have problems, the one who's not perfect. We get God, the good shepherd, Jehovah-Ra, saying, I am concerned. We get that. We're, We're looking at all the different names of God for the five or six weeks, seven or eight weeks, actually. But we're linking it to the story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son or the prodigal God. And we're looking back at that all the time. And in Luke chapter 15, when we get the story of the prodigal son, we see the father, the good shepherd, God the father, waiting for the son to turn to him, running after him, an embarrassing thing for a a patriarch to do, running after him in order to love him, to forgive him, to protect him, to care for him, to reinstate them, to make him part of the family, to have a party. you know there are many Im- images in the Bible of God the Good Shepherd, of God the shepherd, and from that you can take that God really wanted to emphasize the point that God is a God who cares. And I think particularly He cares for those who are not self-righteous. He cares for those who say, you know, I have stuffed up. You know, I am not worthy. And God says, you are who I care for. You are my kind of person. Please come and allow me to shepherd you. Allow me to direct you. That is the good shepherd. You know, in the Bible, when you look at the word Jehovah-Ra, The word "ran" normally is translated as shepherd. It's translated about 75 times in the Bible as shepherd. But it's often otherwise translated as friend or companion. And we get that in this image as well of the Lord being an intimate God, a loving God, a caring God who wants to be with people, who wants to be friends. So Jehovah-Rah can also be the Lord, my friend. And that's a a mind-boggling fact. You know, you don't get that kind of concept in other religions. The intimate, close relationship that God wants to have with me, with you, that God wants to be your friend. Back in Genesis, we were told, it's a brilliant image this, that God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool, in the garden in the cool of the evening. Just, that's a mind-boggling thought. Adam and Eve are out for a stroll when it's cool, they're not stupid, and God walks with them. Imagine that. I can't wait for the time when we're living in eternity with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I can go for a walk down Southport Pier with Jesus. And just chat to him. And dangle our legs over the edge. nowhere near the water, obviously. That's five miles out. You know, and we can sit there and we can chat. We can be intimate. The Bible says that he, he's a, a, a God who sticks closer than a brother. You may have a wonderful relationship with your brother or your sister. Or a close friend. The opportunity is to have a closer relationship with God. Jehovah-Ra. God, that friend. It's not bad for your self-esteem, isn't it? I've got a friend in God. We sing that song. He calls me friend. If you're feeling a little bit down, if you're feeling slightly unsuccessful, not the best in life, you have a friend in God. Suddenly, Toy Story came into my mind. There, I try. I'll push it away again. Yeah, you have a friend in God. You have that opportunity. To have a friend in God, like the prodigal son, if you turn to God, He is there and He will be your friend. And there are testimonies. As I look, out, I look at faces. I'm looking at Bob in particular. You know, I don't know why. You know, who will testify of turning to God and finding out that God is His friend, and will carry him through. But another thing is, as church, as Christians, we have that responsibility to be friends to others, to support, encourage, carry. Sometimes a good friend tells you off, but is always there for you. And we need to, as church, represent Christ, be mini-Christ. The word Christian means mini-Christ. And we need to show everybody else who's not part of God's kingdom what God is like. And we have to imitate him, be his ambassadors, his representatives. And therefore, we have to show friendship, true friendship, to others in and out of this church. You know, I did have a PowerPoint and I had a picture on it about all about friendship, but somehow it vanished through the internet when I sent it to church. I don't know what happened. So we're just stuck with that picture. But we'll go on to the next one now, though. The next one now. <clears throat> you know, the most famous passage about the Lord and Shepherd is Psalm 23. We sang that in the first service. And, we might sing it again in a second. So I don't know if we'll do a version of it or not, Mark. Anyway, in Psalm 23, we get these words. You know, he lays me down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard these words before. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to make a really deep theological but practical point, but also very simple as well. God does not lead us into bad stuff. I'm very technical there, yeah? A shepherd does not lead his sheep into trouble. He just doesn't do that. He doesn't do it to teach them a lesson. He doesn't do it to give them a small fright. God does not give us bad stuff. Jesus in Matthew chapter seven says, listen, even good heavenly, good earthly fathers Don't give the the, the kids snakes instead of food and that kind of stuff. Well, your heavenly father's far better than an earthly father. You know, he doesn't do that kind of stuff. And it's really important that we grasp that point because we often misunderstand what the Bible says about this. And it leads to us saying that God's done hideous things. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 is often misinterpreted. And it says, All things work together for the good to those that love God and are called to his purposes. It doesn't say that all things are good. Many, many bad things happen. Many, many bad things happen in this earth to you and to others that we don't know. And that's just bad. And Romans 8 doesn't say it's good. Romans chapter 8 says good can come from it if we are working out God's will and call to his service, if we are in a close relationship with God, we can make good come from it. But don't be misunderstood. If hideous things happen, don't say that's God. It's not God. It's just bad. We live in a fallen, sinful world where bad things happen. The Lord's Prayer says, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some people think it's God who's tempting us. God isn't tempting us. God is saying we are to say God if I am tempted you know you know help me not to sin help me not even to get tempted God does not tempt us that's crazy a father doesn't tempt a child to do bad things it's crazy but what does happen is when we do have these tough times if we are Christians we have the holy spirit God the holy spirit with us God the shepherd With us. But his desire for us, his motivation for us, is to lead us in still waters and green pastures. That's what he wants. But God's will isn't often carried out. Dear me, even me as a Christian trying to do God's will, I often stop off and don't follow it. And there's a whole lot of people who are not even trying to follow God's will. God's will doesn't always happen. But his desire is to lead us in green pastures. Because he's a good shepherd and still waters. That's his desire. You know, even Jesus was tempted. He was tempted not by God, but by the devil. We know that after he spent 40 days in the wilderness. And just to mention that a little bit, the devil's stupid, isn't he? The devil is stupid. He thought he was getting Jesus at his weak point, having not eaten for 40 days. He didn't. He got him at his strong point. He had just spent 40 days in solitude with his heavenly father. Jesus was pumped up, ready for action. And the devil comes at him. The devil comes at him at his strongest point and thinks he can tempt him. And Jesus just stands on him, doesn't he? He just says, get lost, you weed, you wimp, you idiot. And shows his immense power and his faith and trust in God. The devil tempted, not God. Not God. God does good stuff. So going back to our story again. He's the shepherd who chases after those that are in trouble. The lost sheep. He chases after those in trouble to save them. To rescue them. That is our Lord. You see, in in the stories and the parables in Luke chapter 15. There's two groups. There's the ninety-nine sheep and the one sheep and Jesus says the 99 sheep represent you Pharisees you self-righteous hypocrites that don't think you need me and the one sheep represents the tax collectors and sinners and Jesus says I'll run after you I will help you I will care for you I will save you in the story of the prodigal son badly named We call it the prodigal God. The young son represents the tax collectors and sinners. The older son represents the Pharisees. And God is there waiting for the young son. I want you to realise this morning that God is there for you. No matter what situation you find yourself in, if you turn... To God, he is there for you. He is the good shepherd. No matter what experience you're going through, you are not alone. An advert came into my head. (laughs) You are not alone. God is there. If you're on the top of the hillside or the mountain, God is there with you. He put you there. Your gifts, your abilities, you got through God. And he put you there. Praise God and take him with you. If in the depth of the valley, God is there. He's your friend. He's your shepherd. And he's willing to rescue you if we turn to him. Let me encourage you to turn to God this morning. If you've never turned to God before, we're told in this passage that there's a party in heaven every time somebody turns to God and says, God, I want you involved in my life. The angels... And God the Father, have a party. Which is very interesting that, isn't it? This morning, let me encourage you to turn to God. We've talked about four things this morning. We've talked about the name of God. I want to encourage you to breathe more at night and be conscious of proclaiming and hearing God in and out of you all the time. We've talked about trusting God this morning because he cares for you, because he is the good shepherd. We've talked about delighting in the fact that God is your friend, or God can be your friend if you allow Him to be, if you turn to Him. We've also talked about God leading you into good things. He's a good God all the time. I wrote something down somewhere about something. It doesn't matter. I've said enough. Let's just pray. Father, I just want to just pray for us this morning as family. Lord, may we have open minds and open hearts to turn to you. Lord, may we be willing to take the risk to run to you, knowing that you will run with open arms to us. Lord, may we realise this morning that you are the shepherd and you lead us to good places. Lord, all we have to do is follow. Lord, help us to follow you to be guided by you, to put our faith in you. And Lord, to bask in the fact that we can be friends with you, we can chat to you and be mates with the almighty God, the creator God. Lord, help us this morning to have open hearts and open minds just to take in for ourselves what's important for us. Amen. Thank you.